Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, and welcome to episode 69. Can't even believe it. Of the Karen Kenny Show. And today, uh, I'm going to make this one short and quick. Well, at least that's my goal. <laughs> Ooh, it's my goal. It's my goal to zip up this big mouth quickly today. Um, and it's hot as shit up here in my office. So I'm hoping that the fan that, the fan that is running, I'm doing an experiment, but hopefully you cannot hear it <laughs> buzzing in the background. Um, I'm kind of excited because it's the little things with me, you guys. It's the little things with me. But today I am wearing um, a new t-shirt that just came in the mail. So for those of you who watch these, I'm just going to like pull it up a little bit so you can see what it says. <laughs> it's a new mass hole t-shirt. It just cracks me up every time I see it, you guys. All right. Episode 69. You know what we're talking about today? You guys, we're talking about regret. We're going to have a little show on regret. And um, I wanted to talk about this because so often in the work that I do as a spiritual mentor, right, and the work that I've done for many years as a yoga teacher and uh, through workshops and leading retreats at Omega and doing these deep dives into like, why do we do the things that we do? So discussing our history and our trauma and our stories and our backgrounds and the places that we come from. One of the things that I often hear um, people who I've known throughout my life, not just my clients, but people throughout my life um, suffering because they are carrying some sort of regret. And um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. So I'm not an expert. You know, I always say I am not a... Um, therapist. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a licensed, you know, social worker or anything like that. I, I am a certified spiritual mentor and I have um, lots of thoughts about a lot of things, but it's not like I have like scientific research. So I always say these things that I share are from, um, my, they're obviously from my mind, from my head. They're also from my heart and they're also from my hands. And what I mean by that is through my own personal experience. So these things um, are things that I have found helpful over the years, things that I have put lessons, um, points of views, shifts in perspective that have, I, I've, that have helped me um, and that I have put in my toolbox, my spiritual toolkit over the years. And I like to talk about these things because I know so many people, you know, suffer. When I used to be a bartender, um, I used to be a bartender and I used to be a waitress. I, I was in the food, the food business, <laughs> the food service industry for a good chunk of time in my life. And um, 
so often when you would be serving alcohol and uh, as soon as people's uh, lips started to get a little loose because they started to get a little free with the alcohol, right? Um, the stories that you often hear of regret and my friends who are um, in hospice work, it's often the same thing. At the end of, at the end of life, you talk about people's you know, greatest regrets. And so I'm a, I'm a solutions-oriented person, right? I, I'm a problem solver. And I know some things, you know, it's not about like, oh, hurry up and fix it. It's not that. It's not about like rushing through the discomfort. I'm just saying, if, if, if I'm interested in um, finding things that help, <laughs> I'm not interested in just sitting in the shitty diaper and complaining that you have a rash, right? I'm like, let's do, hey, let's clean up our act and let's do something about it. So it made me start to think about regret because I know so often people, and again, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but this is kind of the connections that my mind makes around regret, that regret is in some ways a form of a lack of self-forgiveness, right? It is a way of withholding love um, from ourselves. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it, it's, it's been called like, it's the ego turning inwards instead of judging externally. Instead of kind of looking um, out there, it's like the ego turns inward and just kind of attacks itself. Um, and yeah, there are going to be times, you know, just by being human, we're going to be wicked clumsy and we're going to fuck up and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do things that we look back upon and we think like, shit, man, like I blew that one. But in thinking about all this, I kind of came across this idea about how there's different kinds of regret. And there's like regret that haunts you often for longer periods of time. And, and we'll talk about that in a sec. And then there's also um, regrets that we can sometimes more easily heal from. And um, for lack of a better word, get over or make, you know, um, like feel like we can move forward from. And there are some, like if you've ever known somebody who, um, you know when they say, like I often talk about it like this, if I was painting a story, it's like the guy, the guy, the old guy, you know, sitting at the end of the bar, who's like always there drinking. And if you ask somebody like, hey, what's his story? And they say, oh yeah, he's never been the same since fill in the blank. And that's how, that's kind of like the energy that I think that, that deep, deep, deep seated regrets can have is that if we don't face them and deal with them and be willing to really um, look at them and find ways to um, surrender them and turn them over to something greater than ourselves, um, they, can, they can kill us, they can slowly kill us. So when I looked at what regret meant in the dictionary, I looked at a couple of them. I think this is the Cambridge Dictionary. It said that it's a feeling of sadness about something sad or something wrong or about a mistake that you've made and a wish that it could have been different and better. I'll repeat that again. It's a feeling of sadness about something that is actually sad or wrong or about a mistake that you made uh, and a wish that it could have been different and better. And I would add to that a wish that you could have been different or better. And we'll circle back to a very powerful sentence that I heard and later read, and I still don't know who said it. And I've looked and I've looked 
because um, I love to do my research and give credit, but I'm going to share that with you. So it's this feeling of sadness about something wrong, about a mistake, and then a wish that it could have been different and better. But here's the thing, that there's these two different kinds of, of regrets. There's the one where you um, did something wrong, right? You did something and you messed it up. And that kind of regret where you actually took action, you did something, but you fucked it up, like you made a mistake, right? Those kinds of regrets, the more kind of like action-related regrets are the ones that um, we can actually move on from a little bit more quickly. And um, the reasoning behind that is because you can often take action to repair what you did. So call it reparative action. You can do reparative work around it. And my meditation teacher, Ashwaran, talks about this in, in such a really lighthearted and fun way. So I'll give you a silly example, but you can apply it to, to greater things. And um, I love it because um, when I first read about this, you know, back there on the bookshelf that you can see behind me, all those books down there, except for the Course in Miracles, uh, those are all like books by Ashwaran. And um, he is such a gracious and compassionate and, I mean, he's no longer with us in physical form, but he lives on in my mind, on my spiritual team and videos and books and his wisdom um, continues to echo and reverberate uh, throughout my life exponentially. And so he said that, uh, like, let's say you had a friend or an ex, you know, an ex-sweetie or whatever, and they had a dog. <laughs> I don't know why you would ever say this to a dog, but this is his example and it makes me laugh every time. Let's say that they had a dog. And like, you were really mean. And one day you were just like, that is the ugliest dog I've ever seen. And you said to that dog, you're ugly, little fellow. <laughs> and he says, then let's say that the relationship ends and the person moves away like across country. One of the things that he says, and this is the reparative work, that piece that I, that I find that is so hopeful, gives me hope. He says, you don't now have to fly across the country and go find that particular dog and apologize to that dog for what you said. Because what if, you know, that dog is now dead or that person doesn't want to speak to you or it's just you, you can't fly there or talk to the dog on the phone, right? He says, so what you do is you don't have to apologize to that specific dog. What you do is you just be wicked kind. Well, he didn't say wicked. You just be super nice to every dog you meet going forward. And that is how you make the reparation. That is how you repair if you can't do it specifically. And look, if you're listening and you're paying attention, there's a reason why in the current state of affairs where we're talking about white supremacy and racism and systemic racism and how so much of this country, right? So much of the systems and all the shit that's like put in place that has benefited white people for a wicked long time. There is reparative work, reparations <laughs> that we can and should be doing. So I'm saying this like little tiny story, but please take the bigger uh, camera shot, take the, use the bigger lens and apply it to things that maybe have happened in the past that you weren't alive to be around for. But we can still do something about it. We can still do reparative acts because of what we have knowingly or unknowingly participated in in this part of our lives. So that's a little glimpse into that. So that's like what we did wrong. We did it. We messed up. 
but we know we can do better. So we know that we can sometimes get over that a little bit quick, more quickly because we could do something about it. So here's a little caveat to that, that I, that I want to say. And I, and I thought about doing a, a whole show on this and maybe I will sometime like uh, do a whole thing called the victim loop, which is one of the modules that we talk about in the work that I do one-to-one uh, -one with my clients um, and also in um, the nest, right? The nest spiritual community I just created. Uh, that victim loop. But here's the thing in this reparative kind of stuff, right? So let's say like something happens to you, like somebody does something to you, okay? And then you feel victimized by it. But then you don't go out and do shit <laughs> to heal yourself. Like you don't do the work to heal yourself. So then you get caught in this pattern, right? And the victim loop is a little bit different than this, but this is still a good thing. So let's say something happens in your life you feel victimized, but then you don't do anything to heal yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit. And so then you walk around like a victim. And then so now you go out and inflict yourself on somebody else. So then you go out and victimize others. And then you perpetuate like the cycle of abuse. So when we feel victimized, and sometimes we feel victimized by shit that we did ourselves, and then we feel bad about it. And I'm like, dude, you can break the loop right now. Like you can break the chain right now. Be a chain breaker, right? Like stop it. So it's imperative that when you feel victimized, like get on that right away, deal with it, feel it, heal it, <laughs> deal with it, right? Deal, heal, feel so that you can then stop that pattern of suffering. And I, and I always talk about it in the morning, why daily spiritual practices are so important. It's the difference between going out into the world, like plugged into source, like divinely aligned with love, with God, with spirit, whatever you want to call it. So you go out into the world from an inspired place. So you go out feeling inspired and possibly through interactions with you, others become inspired rather than going out and inflicting your wounded self on other people, <laughs> right? This perception of yourself as being victimized. That's really important. So that's the first kind of regret, the kind that you can actually do some reparative work around. But what I call like that slow burn, and I use this term when it comes to forgiveness too, I'll say, oh, sometimes there's these slow burn forgiveness situations, right? Where it just takes a long, it's like, oh, that one's going to take me a while to get over, right? But we can also have a slow burn kind of regret thing. And the slow burn regret ones, these are the ones that um, we struggle with a little bit more. And they're not about the things that we did. It's about the things that we didn't do. It's about what we could have done, but that we didn't act on. And whether it's like, oh my God, I, I mean, I'm just going to use some simple things, right? Like, oh my God, I should have started playing guitar like years ago. Like I'm 55, you know, whatever your age is now. I'm this and I can't ever go back. Or, you know, sometimes you talk to men and they'll say, oh God, I should have married that girl or the one that got away, right? This happens for both, uh, you know, all kinds of people. The one that got away, and whether that's a person, a job, an opportunity, an opportunity to say I'm sorry, an opportunity to say I love you. It's like, so those, that slow burn regret is the, are the ones that like, we could have taken action, but we didn't. And I'll tell you a little story about this from my own life. Um, 
there was this time when um, I lived in Manchester for a very short period of time, Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, for like six months only. And during that time, I used to go shopping at this particular uh, grocery store. And in this plaza, there was like a restaurant, a grocery store, a tanning salon, like a, a nail place, a, a potty decoration place, whatever. And I remember getting in my, my, um, my Forerunner one day, and it sits a little higher. That's the thing with an SUV, right? So um, I come out of the place I was in, and I'm sitting in my car. I don't know if I had grabbed a snack or something, but I, I was in the driver's seat. My car was running, but I didn't pull out of the parking lot yet. And there was a car next to me, and the car was like kind of beat up. Older model, you know, worn, you can see. And all of a sudden, I see this guy come out, and he's wearing kind of like cut off jean shorts and a, a like kind of a ratty tank top. And he's got like three kids in tow. He's like two girls and a little boy. And they're probably an age from like nine to five, maybe. Maybe 10. The oldest girl maybe be 10. And they're getting yelled at the whole time that they're heading back to the car. And I can tell from their body language, I can tell from the way that they don't look up, their eyes are down, the slope of their shoulders, the shuffle of their feet. I can just tell that this is not a new experience, that the kind of verbal abuse that they were receiving was probably familiar. And I still get, emo like, ugh, I still get emotional when I think about this. And I'm sitting in the car, and I remember being talked to, yelled at, poked, threatened, whatever, all those things in my own childhood. Like, I remember that tone and that rage and that anger being directed at my small body and my sister and all, you know, my stepsis, all that. So I'm just watching the procession of sadness as these kids. And it was one of those cars that, like, didn't have, it was a two-door car, so the guy opened the door and he had to shove his, his driver's side seat forward so the, the kids could crawl in the back. And when he pushed the car forward, I could see that there were like containers on the floor. The car had litter on the floor. And I was like, this is just a shit show. And the whole time he's just berating them. And I'm like in my car and I'm not frozen, like frozen out of fear, like, um, like I was worried about myself. I wanted to speak up, I wanted to intervene, but I also knew the type of man that I was probably dealing with. Now, now understand all of this is happening really fast. So I'm having to make judgments based on the very little amount of knowledge that I, that I had, right? But I was just trying to take in the whole scene, what I was seeing, what I was feeling, what I was hearing, and I kept thinking to myself, if I open my big mouth and butt in, are those kids going to pay for it later? So when the kids got into the back seat of the car, my windows were open. It was summer and it was hot. And I see them get in the car. It was like the oldest girl first and then the younger girl in the middle and then the little boy in the end. And I was just looking at them in the back seat. And the little boy and I locked eyes. 
And I was just sending him through my eyes as much love as I could, as much protection as I could. And I was just in my mind, I kept saying to him, I'm here. I see you. I'm not going to leave you alone. Like I'm not going to let him do anything. And I made a, a promise to myself, if that guy touches those kids, if he lays his hands on those kids, I'm in, like I'm going in, you know? And I, the kid just kept looking at me and I could tell they were embarrassed and I could tell that they were scared. And I just kept like pouring in my mind, like mind to mind, like, like Yoda, like the force, like a mind meld, like just trying to let this kid know that I was there and I wasn't leaving. Finally, the guy like slammed the car seat back, got in the car, you know, like pulled his cigarettes out, like the whole thing. And they drove away before I did. And now to this day, I can tell you that story in such detail. I can tell you what they look like. The oldest girl had a, like a high ponytail like I'm kind of wearing right now. The little girl had on little like pink shorts. The boy, like I can tell you all of the detail. It was so seared into my mind because this day I still think to myself, should I have done something? Should I have acted on that? And it's always like after the fact when you think like, oh shit, I could have just went over and said, hey man, I'm a I could have just lied, right? And said, I'm a parent too. I know how it is. You're having a tough day. Anything I can do to help. Like, I, I, you know, like now I can look back and say like, oh, maybe I could have, should have, whatever. But it stayed with me all this time because that image of those kids. And I still think about them to this day. And I wonder where they are. And I wonder what turned out. And I wonder if that was their father or is that like their mother's boyfriend or their stepfather or that story still haunts me. So maybe I'll write about it sometime. But the reason why I'm telling you about it is I guarantee you that each of us could look back somewhere in our life and look at something where we thought, I wish I had done that differently. And I think collectively as a country, we are having that global experience right now. Shit. We fucking blew it. I wish we had done a lot of stuff differently starting hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But here we find ourselves now. So what are we going to do about it, right? What are we going to do about it? What actions are we going to take? Because that's where the healing can begin. We can't go back. As they say in 12-step programs, right? You can't build a better past. <laughs> it is what it is. There's no rewriting the story and making it more pretty and pouring pink paint on a bunch of shit and saying like, oh, look, it's actually not shit. No, it was. It was shit. But now, how can we repair the times when maybe we as individuals were clumsy and did some things or were terrified or scared or stupid or blind or ignorant willfully or otherwise and didn't do some things? And I came across, I told you about this, this sentence that I came across that, that I loved. And it, and it totally changed the way that I thought about things. Or I should say it enhanced the way that I thought about things. And I share it with my clients often, with people I love often, when I find that they're struggling with some kind of regret. Because, you know, as we know, there are some things you just can't go back and, and change, as I was just saying. And so I don't know who said this quote first, 
I have searched and searched and searched and I've seen other people saying it. And even they said, I don't know where I saw this. So I still, like I said, if you're the person who first saw this, amen and much love to you. And it says this, regret, regret is paying too much attention to decisions you made while you were still learning. Regret is paying too much attention to decisions you made while you were still learning. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Here's the caveat of that. So write that sucker down, right? We don't want to give too much attention to the stupid shit, the ignorant shit that we did while we were still learning. Meaning we can't go back to that time and fix it. It's in the past. But what we can do, it's like that dog that you can't go apologize to. What you can do is be kind to every person moving forward. What you can do is own your shit and apologize when you screw up going forward. What you can do is figure out how am I going to repair, make reparations for things that I did or didn't do. But we don't want to sit in the, the muck of regret. I'm not saying you shouldn't take a look at it and feel it. I'm not saying you suck it up and like just shove it in some corner like a festering wound you don't want to deal with. No, 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 no. We put that shit right on the front lawn. We take it out of the basement. We don't even stop in the living room. We take it out into the front lawn, not even in the backyard. And we look at that. And you get a little uncomfy. But then it doesn't help us. Healing doesn't happen in the past. The only time we have is the present moment. This is where healing happens. So if you find yourself in this loop of regret and lack of self-forgiveness and pity and this feeling of sadness about something wrong or about a mistake that you made and a wish that it could have been different and better, here is good news, my brothers and sisters. Here is good news, my friends. We can now do it different and better. We can now choose peace instead of this, this old story. We have an opportunity to transform your story to your glory. And that for me is everything, knowing that there is something that I can do to maybe correct or make up for the things that you did and didn't do well wish you did better, or the stuff that you didn't do, that slow burn regret, the one that haunts us, the one that haunts us more. Because this is a pathway not just to your freedom, but it's a pathway to freedom for the people who are trying to forgive you too. Because I know this, and I might talk about this some other time, accountability in forgiveness work goes a long way. When you say, yeah, you're right, I did that, we did that, we were wrong, I acknowledge it, I own it, and I'm sorry. Like accountability goes a long way in the forgiveness process. And I think that if you listen to this show, if you follow me in some capacity, if you're one of my friends or a client or somebody who just whatever, digs the vibe, digs the work, I imagine 
I would be hard pressed to be convinced that you listen to these shows and like you hate me or don't agree with this. I guess what I'm saying is mostly people, oh, maybe you hate me, but you just like to listen to, to slow burn yourself. <laughs> but I guess what the point that I'm getting at is if you're listening to the sound of my voice, it's probably because you are a person that wants to do the work. You are a person who wants to be the best version of you that you can be, that you have an inkling somewhere, somewhere, a memory of God and God's love that you are the light of the world and that uh, we can do better by each other. So this is uh, what I'm going to leave you with today. You know, don't just sit in it, feeling sorry for yourself or living in the regret. We can take action. We can do things that we wish were different or better because we can become different people and we can become better human beings and we can be better to each other too. That we never lose sight of the oneness and the unity of who we are as children of God. So I'm going to leave it there. So let's just kind of recap, right? When you have a feeling of sadness about something that you did wrong, some mistake you made, some fuck up, some screw up, some time where you blew it. If you sit around sometimes and you play those old tapes like about high school and the glory days and you wish that you had done it differently, did it better, right? Then you know that you have some, some work to do. And it's, it's asking yourself, hey, is this the thing where like I took action and blew it and I can do some reparative work? I can choose differently now and do it better now? Or is this more like a slow burn where I'm regretting it? Something I didn't say or do? And what can I now do differently like moving forward? And then recognizing that regret is often the ego turning inwards, right? It's that self-attack. Rather than looking out there, you turn inwards and you self-attack. Rather than recognizing that like, oh, well, if I... If I, if I had known how to do better, I probably would have, right? So regret is paying too much attention to the decisions you made while you were still learning. And here's the thing. Until the day you die, I hope you are still learning. I hope we get a little less clumsy or a lot less clumsy. And I hope that we start to become so much more mindful of the awareness of ourselves as spiritual beings, knowing that we are literally just pilgrims of love and our, we are extensions of love and that's all we're supposed to be doing. So hopefully we get better at that so that we won't create more regrets in our lives. Here's something I know, I never regret spending time with you guys. I never regret doing this show. <laughs> I love having the opportunity to connect uh, heart to heart. From my heart to your heart. So just know, thank you so much for listening. And if you truly do um, dig this show, and I always say, I never want, I never, I'm always like no pressure because I never want people to do things out of guilt, out of supposed to or shoulds. I always want people to feel inspired to do something, like something resonates you and it's a full-bodied yes. So if you dig this show and you haven't yet left a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts, man, it would mean the world to me if you would. If there's somebody that you know who has been living with some deep-seated regret of some kind, and you think that this message, this little ministry of mine, this little message today might help them, please share it. Please forward it to them. Send them the link, whatever. 
share it with your people, drop it in a group. I don't know, whoever you think it might be helpful. Please help me to um, spread the word and spread the love. And then let me just say how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And, and I see you and uh, I feel you. And I think of all of you often. Uh, I don't do this to just talk to myself like a weirdo up in my room. <laughs> I do it because it's one of the ways that I feel called, that I have been called to serve and to, um, and to you know, shine a little light and love into the world. So just thank you so much for listening. And as always, man, wherever you go, please leave the people, the place, the creatures, the animals, the environment uh, better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. I love you. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.